Welcome to Attention Talk Radio, your ADHD information station where we help those with ADHD pay attention to attention. With your host, ADHD and attention coach, Jeff Topper. Welcome, everybody, to this edition of Attention Talk Radio. I'm your host, ADHD and attention coach, Jeff Copper. Uh, tonight, our topic, ADHD stimulant awareness, medication diversion. Everyone, this is uh, part six of a seven-part series that we are doing um, in celebration of ADHD Awareness Month. Now, you'll notice is that it's past. We are in the month of November, uh, but we thought these seven shows were particularly interesting, so we're celebrating a little bit past it. Um, the first show was on basics. The second was shortages, dosing, long-term effects. Last week we covered if they were addictive or not. Uh, this week we're talking about the diversion of them, and then next week we're going to talk about uh, media sensationalism. But quickly, the uh, 2018 annual conference on uh, ADHD is uh, literally a week away. We encourage everyone to, uh, if you can, scramble, go to the conference. It's great to be there. There's a lot of great information, but the real reason you would go is uh, it's where our tribe meets, and uh, you learn a ton of stuff from people in the halls. Our show is being brought to you by Children and Adults with Attention Deficit Hyperactivity Disorder. Uh, we're offering two free digital copies of Attention Magazine. All you've got to do is listen to our shows and send us an email with the secret word of three shows. Uh, the email address is attention at attentiontalkradio.com, and we will email you back a PDF copy of the most recent magazine and a magazine that will be uh, coming shortly. Um, got a tip that we're going to run for Shad, and then we'll get into the show. Are you confused about all the treatments for ADHD? Consider working closely with healthcare providers and other ADHD professionals. Your treatment should be tailored to your unique needs to help you cope with the disorder, improve overall mental well-being, and manage social relationships. For tips, resources, and strategies, contact Chad at helpforadhd.org. Thank you, Chad, for your continued support of our show. For those that are not aware, they're the largest not-for-profit organization that advocates on behalf of those with ADHD. We encourage you listeners to become members. Uh, you can do that at chadd.org. Uh, a strong Chad is a strong ADHD community. They are the ones who advocate on our behalf on Capitol Hill and other regulatory agencies. Tonight, again, is uh, part six of uh, our series on ADHD stimulant medications. Our focus tonight is on medication diversion. I'm exceptionally grateful to the anonymous individual who came on to do the show. It's a show like no other that we've done on Attention Talk Radio in as much as uh, we've actually got somebody who's diverting stimulant uh, medications and is going to share their experience with you. We encourage uh, those that are out there. We really are trying to get this in the hands of high school students and um, uh, college individuals to really understand what's going on, to hear it from somebody who actually it's a lived experience. Um, so we're going to roll the tape in a second real quickly. If uh, if you'd like to get uh, listen to the other shows in our series, look at the description section of, um, of this show if you're on Tension Talk Radio, or I think you can access it on iTunes, and uh, you can listen to the shows leading up to this and uh, next week's show on uh, media sensationalism. So with that, we'll roll the tape, and we hope you enjoy the show. Let's get into tonight's show. Uh, we are really, really excited about this. Again, um, we have an exclusive interview with an individual that was in college that got caught diverting stimulant medications. Uh, this is real world, real truth, real situation, um, and um, we're, we're going to bring it to you. I'm, I'm excited about this. I, I guess I shouldn't talk any more about it. We'll just let it go, um, but we hope you enjoy the show. 
Joe, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me, Jeff. Um, honored that you're coming on um, our show. So let's get into it. In college, you had an incident uh, where you got caught for uh, with a medication diversion. Can you tell us about it? Absolutely. Uh, more than caught, I uh, was was facing some serious trouble with it. Um, I was a freshman uh, in, in my second semester, about halfway through, um, and you know, just one morning, I uh, I get a call from the uh, head of security on campus, and he says, "I've got something I got to talk over with you." Uh, can you meet me in the in the kind of ground floor of your dorm building? And you know, this didn't uh, strike me as overly odd at first. Um, yeah, I honestly just had no idea what to even think. Uh, of course, you know, my uh, illicit behavior wasn't the first thing that popped to my mind as a possible uh, topic of discussion there. Mm-hmm. And so uh, I meet this guy uh, down in the basement and, you know, I'm just, I'm wearing pajamas. I had just woken up, uh, you know, still groggy eyed. And I say, you know, what's this about? And he says, well, we're just going to wait for, you know, a friend of mine to get here. And, you know, lo and behold, five minutes later, I find out that that friend of his is what felt like, and I'm almost certain was uh, 15 police officers, both, you know, local state I believe there's at least one DEA there, if I remember correctly, um, and, and that's kind of when reality hit. Uh, you know, you, you, you get the, the usual, we can do this the hard way or the easy way, and them trying to, you know, work their way into your dorm room right away. But, you know, the fear is just, it was gripping. Um, so, 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 had, you know. so did they just, did they casually kind of walk in, like in file or something like that, or all of it, like, they were just like kind of upon you? It was just, you know, a bunch of plainclothes-looking people just walked through the double doors that were the entrance to my dorm room and kind of formed a circle around me. Wow. And at that point in time, the jig is up. Are you putting two and two together, or are you just freaking out? I've I've essentially put two and two together at this point, but, you know, in my head, you know, living in the kind of headspace that I had been living in thinking this isn't a big deal, I'm not going to get caught, you know, even still sitting there surrounded by all these, you know, authority figures, you know, the thought in my mind was, well, I still haven't been, you know, caught, you know, I wasn't caught in the act at that point then and there. And so it wasn't real for me yet at that point, it, it took a little bit you know, more time through that, the process of that day to, to really become real. And so there's in the room, did they certain, did they, did they start searching your room kind of immediately or, I mean, cause if they said we can do this the easy way, the hard way, just kind of tell us what happened then. Yeah. So, uh, you, you know, they were clearly speaking to, uh, wanting to search my room. Um, when I would later find out that they believed me to be a, uh, a seller of a much larger volume of uh, medication than than was actually the case. And so, you know, they throw the, we can do this the easy way, the hard way line out. I tell them gladly do it the hard way, but, you know, within 10, 15 minutes, uh, you know, I, I can tell that they've gotten a, a approval for a warrant and um, about half of them go up to my dorm room and I would later find out just tore it apart. I mean, you know, bed up and over, you know, off of the mattress, everything pulled out of all cabinets, you know, uh, stuffed animal I had just torn to shreds, uh, just total, you know, um, destruction of the room, looking for anything and everything to help their case. Wow. 
Wow. And so at this point in time, after they go through that, that stuff, you're sitting there not knowing what's going on upstairs or you weren't in the room while you're ransacking it, right? No, not in the room. I'm sitting down there in the, in the ground floor of the dorm uh, with handcuffs on. Okay. And so they get done with this. And so off you are to jail at that point. Yeah. So they, they walk me out to uh, a minivan essentially and, and put me in the back of it and take me to the local station uh, you know, they do uh, y- your typical kind of uh, check-in stuff, um, getting my information, my prints, mug shots. Uh, I was then put in a holding cell for a little bit. It's just this probably four foot by four foot and 12 foot tall white concrete room, tiny little window on the metal door, but that's about it. Um, you know, metal bench uh, kind of outlining um the room and you know just sitting there uh, realizing and so what's that, going through this was yeah real. what's going through your head at this point that's got to be freaking you out yeah so at this point i mean i realize i'm in real big trouble the likes of which i'd, I'd never seen in my life before um and i'm just trying to figure out what i'm going to do what you know my my play is because of course you know i'm was the kind of person who believed i could work my way out of anything um and just kind of, yeah, but even with that confidence, I still acknowledged, you know, that I had no idea what was going to come and I was terrified. And so from there, after that you've been in there for a period of time, what, what transpired next? Yeah. So next, you know, they take you, they take, took me to an interrogation room. Uh, there was the two lead detectives on the case. Like I said, they had the size of my, you know, quote unquote operation was uh, much larger um, than just a kid, you know, selling his own medication. So they're asking me about suppliers, and I say I have none. And they're asking me about other drug activity on campus. Of course, you know, trying to get me to give up people, um, telling me that they had that, you know, open and shut. They have me, so why not, you know, help yourself? That your typical kind of yep. uh, dialogue used on people who don't know any better, like myself at mm-hmm. that time. <laughs> I'm getting flashbacks to the TV type stuff right now. It's legitimate. I mean, but but I think it's I got to be a little bit different when you're actually under the gun in the room and they're saying that stuff. It's not a TV sitcom anymore. Right. It, it goes from cheesy when you're watching it on the couch to to terrifying yep. when you're sitting there in the chair. Wow. So let's kind of back up here for a second. You're sitting there. All Definitely. of a sudden, reality's kind of coming coming into the world. And you and I had spoke about this. You go, you have got ADD. You go off to college, and you've got um, some stimulant medications. And there's a lot of people talk about this all the time. But how does how did you even get into this to begin with? I mean, you don't. I mean, you didn't have this huge operation. It doesn't sound like you're a devious guy. But at the end of the day, you're in a lot of trouble. So what? How did this happen? Absolutely. Um, and, you know, looking back, it's a pretty clear progression. I, uh, I, you know, I got to the school that, that I, uh, you know, wasn't the most thrilled to be at, but, you know, was probably presented with plenty of opportunity if I wanted to make it uh, that way. And just didn't, uh, I didn't take that path. I was frustrated. I didn't really like my situation, my classes, the people I was surrounded with. And, you know, I, as a lot of other, you know, ADHD people, I'm sure also do, uh, you know, have a tendency towards, you know, leaning on things like alcohol and, and marijuana as much. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, in, in order to kind of 
create a, a sense of escapism. You know, I was out just smoking weed all the time or drink, you know, getting really drunk on the weekends. Um, and of course, you know, college kids can't afford to do that consistently without some, you know, money coming in. Yep. And like you said, it's a college campus. This is no secret, or if it is, it's an open secret. You know, people love ADHD medication. And so there was a girl in one of my classes that, you know, only needed a couple here and there for exams and stuff. But then uh, it, it really kind of ramped up at the end of my first semester when she came to me. She said, I'm leaving uh, this school, um, but my boyfriend goes to school about an hour away and he would really like to buy from you. And I, you know, it, in my mind, the consequences and even coming into play it's just oh look at this i have a now another easy you know way where i can make some money so i can you know numb myself and and not pay attention to the fact that i don't want to be here um yep and so you know once coming back from from winter break it became a thing where just once a month this guy this you know this girl's boyfriend would uh drive out from his school about an hour away to me um we'd meet up and uh you know, I, from the pharmacist to his hands, I, you know, was just acting yep. as the, uh, yep. the, the yep. conveyor. So one of the things that, that, that you, you, we had just spoke up briefly before we kind of got on this, that I think I just want to highlight is you described it to me. It's not like you were dealing cocaine or this secret thing that you're dealing with in the shadows. I mean, this is Adderall. This is out there. Almost the people are, are kind of joking and laughing about it. I mean, when I was in college, it was all about no-dos and I mean, it was, it was casual, like, oh, you got to get that type of stuff. But it's almost like it was casual. It was flippant. It was in your face that really kind of maybe I got the sense that you got relaxed with it. Is that you want to talk about that for a second? Yeah, flippant is a great word, word to describe it. Um, you know, it was so relaxed to the point where, like, you know, other kids that on campus who knew me and, and knew that, you know, because I've never been one to hold the fact that I have ADHD a secret, yep. um, but they knew that, and they would just, you know, in front of strangers out in public, no volume control, sometimes even just in classes, say, you know, can you just, can you hook me up? Can you help me out? You know, I have an exam or whatever. You, you don't see that kind of behavior with, like you said, you know, cocaine dealers, you know, whatever you want to, you know, serious yep you know, weed dealers, because there's, there's an understanding of the seriousness, but that same understanding doesn't exist in this environment with relation to this specific drug. Um, and so, you know, it's hard to, to not view it as casual when that's what everyone, how everyone does see it, you know? Yeah, I, I, I really see everybody's like laughing and joking about it. It's, it's out there. It's public. It's not really kind of hidden, and you get kind of relaxed into it. And then a friend walks up and says, "Hey, you know, can you help me with one? Hey, what's what, what's one going to hurt? You know what I'm saying? It's exactly. you know, to me, I can see I wouldn't even register. But then there's one and there's two, and then all of a sudden, okay, I got a couple dollars. It's it's really kind of innocent, but all of a sudden it gets kind of blown up for there. And so it's not like one day you like deviously said I was going to do this. It's just like it's just. It was a progression, and all of a sudden, you got 15 guys ransacking your room, and you're all, holy crap, I'm in trouble. Exactly. That's, that's a great way to put it. Um, when you go to a commercial break, when we come back, I want to talk about kind of pick up where we left off is it's got to be pretty terrifying to be sitting there in that particular situation, um, not knowing what your future is going to be. So I want to kind of pick up where we, we go from there. Um, so let's do this. We'll run to a break, and we'll be right back, everybody, after these messages. Tonight's secret word is diversion. Your life, your world, your choice. This is Attention Talk Radio. You've tried logic. 
Johnny, just calm down and work. Then you can go out and play with your friends. Now get the help you really need to improve motivation, communication, and compliance for kids with ADHD. Join nationally recognized ADHD parent coach Cindy Goldrich and her team of experts at PTS Coaching. Take the first step. Sign up for parent workshops today at ptscoaching.com. Workshops offered in person, via the web, and Disney courses. Transform lives as a professionally trained ADHD coach at the ADD Coach Academy. ADHD coaching is in demand, a calling, and a career. Learn how you can change your lives by going to addca.com slash ATR. That's addca.com slash ATR. The average annual cost of attending college starts around $25,000. Students who have ADHD are at high risk of dropping out because they haven't learned the critical skills they need to succeed in school. Protect your investment with an EDGE Foundation coach, specifically trained to help students with ADHD and executive function challenge make the transition from high school to college. Visit edgefoundation.org to learn more or call 206-632-9497 and use promo code EDGE to get your free college success guide. Make every moment count with Time Timer, a sensitive solution for ADHD time management. It shows how much time is left using a bright red disc that gets smaller as time passes. To place an order for a Time Timer, all you have to remember is timetimer.com. Managing ADHD is about pausing before you ponder and proceed. This opportunity to practice pausing is being brought to you by digcoaching.com. And now, back to Attention Talk Radio. Welcome back, everybody, to this edition of Attention Talk Radio. I'm grateful for Joe coming on um, our program today. And everybody, Joe is anonymous, <laughs> um, but i got to have a name. Uh, I'm grateful that he's coming on here and sharing his experience because uh, we'll talk about medication diversion in college and elsewhere. And uh, it's really, really pretty big deal. And they take it really seriously, as I think we're going to learn a little bit more from Joe in a second. Um, um, if you're if you're out there and you're in high school and you're in college, I hope that you're paying attention to this uh, because this is this is this is not contrived. This is real. Um, so, Joe, I got this picture of of sitting in this this cold room where you're sitting there with the uncertainty of not knowing what's going to happen next and fear starting to kind of at least, at least from my perspective, I start to feel that and maybe a flooding feeling of emotions and maybe panic. Was that the experience for you? And, and can can you just tell us what happened from there? Absolutely. Um, so, you know, at, sitting in that room, preparing to, to be interviewed by uh, these detectives, you know, is when, like I said, it kind of really finally uh, set in. And then, you know, moving into to being interviewed by the two detectives in charge of the case, you know, sitting there asking questions that, that you would expect to be asked of a drug yep. dealer when I myself didn't consider myself a drug dealer. Um, and the, you know, the fear, they hadn't even told me exactly what I was going to be charged with at this point, but I, I didn't need to be told. I knew it was going to be very serious. Um, and it's funny because the fear of just the legal consequences was not the only thing setting in at that point. Uh, you know, I knew that at some point I was going to, I would hope to at least, uh, be allowed a phone call. And I knew that that phone call was going to have to be to my parents and, you know, who wants to call their parents and tell them they've been arrested for felony, you know, drug trafficking. Yep. I can't imagine that number is very high. Um, I was actually so afraid of that conversation that they gave me a phone call and I, I called and hung up on the second ring, uh, which is so silly looking back now because um, my parents wanted to do nothing but, but help me once they finally did get involved. But 
it was so overwhelming. I was so concerned that my life was over that I just thought it wasn't even worth it wow. to give them a call. Wow. And so I trust you called back a second time and got them. Um, yep. And they were helpful, yeah, wanting to help you, but still. Yeah, sorry. Uh, yeah, I mean, it, it took a while to get another phone call, and I had finally, at that point, I had been fully uh, booked and, and deloused and given a jumpsuit and put in uh, a holding container. Uh, but, you know, uh, it, telling them earlier obviously would have benefited me greatly, but, um, you know, I just ended up having to deal with what I had to deal with in the meantime before getting to call them again. And so at this point in time, I trust that you were able to get out, but tell us about the aftermath. So, so now, now they've, they're, they're, they're listing charges and you've got to go from there. Tell us about what happened next. Yeah. So, you know, while, before they, uh, you know, did the whole delousing jumpsuit throw in the, con, in the holding container deal, they informed me uh, I was going to be charged with two felony counts of trafficking amphetamines, which carried uh, mandatory minimums of one to seven years each. And for anybody that doesn't know, that means if convicted, uh, you will be subject to at least one to seven years. Um, so all in all, it was two counts making, you know, a, a potential minimum mandatory of two to 14. Um, through, uh, you know, my parents' uh, hard work, they found a bondman. Um, I was presented to a magistrate. Uh, the bondsman paid my bond and I, at, uh, you know, I had probably been taken off campus in the, in the police car at around 11 a.m. that day. And at about uh, midnight that night, I um, was in the car with the bondsman back to campus. And, and one thing specifically I remembered that was just kind of really crushing was he pulls up to the, to the border of campus and says, well, I'm not allowed on campus because, you know, I carry a weapon. And so he dropped me at the far side of campus and it's raining and I just had to walk, you know, all the way back to my dorm room wow. with this on my mind. Um, wow. No. Yeah. Wow. And then get so, back to my dorm room, which had been completely destroyed. Yeah. And so let me search. just ask you, look, I want to pause here for a second. So you're in there, you've been booked, you're kind of coming back. Um, how do they find evidence? Like what was, I mean, you were, was this, this kid that was coming from the other school? Did he turn you in or how did that work? Or do you even know? Uh, that was the case. I do know. Um, he was caught uh, about two months into our little arrangement there. Uh, driving with not only my, uh, you know, his stash from me, but also a plethora of other uh, illicit substances and was quickly flipped to uh, wear a camera, video recording, all this. And so for the next two, you know, buys, quote unquote, uh, he was fully rigged up um, and, you know, was even starting to push for, you know, connections for other things. Um, but there was no arguing if or you know if i was guilty they had all that they needed and more they had all they had all this so you're facing two to 14 they've got all that they needed you're walking back to your dorm room in the rain going what the hell am i going to do right wow. exactly and that's just a terror it's i can't even describe how just lonely and 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 soul crushing that that walk was in that couple of days and weeks after was so because your friends wanna, don't stick around, you're, yeah. you're, you know, nobody wants to hang out with the guy that just got arrested for, for, you know, being a, a drug dealer or whatever. 
Yeah, so I'm I, again knowing what you know, going back in the rain, showing up, and all your friends really deserting you and leaving there, and you're all there by yourself. Again, that's got to be a very, very trying experience. Um, I want to go to the break, and when I come back, uh, you live through it. You live to fight another day, Definitely. and I'm really kind of curious. What is it that enabled you to to get through it? I mean the carnage of it all in, in, in a, some of a summary, and we'll talk about where we are today. So, everybody, I hope you're enjoying this, uh, this interview. We'll go to the commercial break. We'll be right back after these messages. Tonight's secret word is diversion. You're listening to Attention Talk Radio. We'll return in a moment. Your life, your world, your choice. This is Attention Talk Radio. Change your life by learning more about managing ADHD. Other places give you a few tips. The ADD Coach Academy will change your life. To find out more, go to addca.com slash ATR. That's addca.com slash ATR. Make every moment count with Time Timer, a sensitive solution for ADHD time management. It shows how much time is left using a bright red disc that gets smaller as time passes. To place an order for a Time Timer, all you have to remember is timetimer.com. You can't go off to college with them, but we can. Visit edgefoundation.org to learn more how an edge coach can help your student reach their full potential. You can also call 206-632-9497 and use promo code EDGE and get a free college success guide. Could hiring an attention coach really help you move forward? (laughs) Does a child get wet when they dive into a swimming pool? You can get started moving forward today. Just call Dig Coaching Practice at 813-837-8084 and schedule a free consultation. Tell us you heard about us on Attention Talk Radio and get 50% off your discovery session. For more information, visit digcoaching.com. Don't delay. Do it today. And now, back to Attention Talk Radio. Welcome back, everybody. We're here with Joe. Joe got caught for medical diversion in college um, with some rock-solid evidence against him facing 2 to 14 years in his dorm room while all of his friends have abandoned him at this point, and he's still here today to tell us about the show. So, Joe, tell us about that experience, what enabled you to get through it, and we'll talk a little bit about what you learned from it. Absolutely. Um, so just to, you know, not uh, talk your ear off, because I could tell you about the, the year and a half, two, three years that followed for a long time. But uh, I dropped out of school, um, hired a lawyer. And, you know, the my lawyer basically said to me, look, you know, there is no arguing that you're innocent. What we need to argue is that, you know, you're a, a good kid who caught up, got caught up in some bad circumstances, which uh, I'm not going to sit here and, and completely divert personal responsibility, but uh, I definitely believe there to be some truth in that, too. Um, and, and the way that we went about kind of conveying that to uh, the prosecutor and the judge was um, I got sent about three weeks after this happened, uh, maybe a month to a wilderness therapy program Uh and uh, that was mainly focused on kind of uh, drug and alcohol abusers. Um, Mm -hmm. I spent about three and a half months there uh, doing, you know, uh, mostly talk therapy, mostly, you know, lots of kind of outdoors related stuff, Um, minimal contact with people, minimal kind of support from uh, any of my family or friends. And uh, through that process, um, 
I ended up, uh, it ended up being recommended to me by my lawyer that I go to a uh, sober house following the conclusion of that program, uh, which I did for the following uh, seven months where I was uh, drug tested three times a week, breathalyzed on demand, very, very strict house rules and, and therapy and, and uh, AA meeting requirements, things like that. And, you know, I would have gone crazy, but I was luckily allowed to, to work. I just, you know, worked minimum wage jobs through the whole time, trying to keep my mind off it as, you know, my lawyer just told me to trust him, let him do what he does. Uh, and after about, I think it was a year and a half, two years uh, through this process, he, he did. He did what he does. And uh, I got a call one day at work um, saying from him saying that he had managed against all odds uh, because when he had first met with me, he told me that, you know, these were not going away, that I was going to face some consequences. And but luckily I got this phone call and, and he tells me uh, I worked a miracle and got all the charges dropped and expunged. Wow. So uh, this is actually phenomenal, but, but that, I mean, it's certainly great news for you, but you lost a complete year to your life just from the, the treatment and the facility. I mean, that's just, that's just like lost years, you know I mean? Certainly you're oh, going through some oh, benefits, yeah. some soul surveys, which really bet you, but that was there. There's the legal bills on top of that. I mean, the, the, the resources that took to kind of get through this is absolutely phenomenal. And you have to pick yourself up by the bootstraps and, and from beginning to end, how long did this take? Was it, was it two years, four years? I would call it uh, roughly two years between uh, starting to sell and being told that I was being, that my charges were being dropped. But, you know, it took me another year after that to get to a point where I can even start to consider getting back to where I was vis-a-vis you know, -vis going back to school full time and, and being on the quote unquote, you know, path of higher education. Yep. yep. It's got to be really kind of phenomenal. And so um, through all this, what did you learn from it individually? That's a great question. You know, I think that uh, in the immediate aftermath of it all, the, the biggest, you know, lesson that I learned was just, uh, how wrong that lackadaisical attitude towards, uh, you know, ADHD medication is on college campuses, high school campuses, wherever it is, you know, even in the workplace, you, you can see that kind of thing. So, you know, in the immediate aftermath of it, uh, that was the biggest takeaway for me. But, you know, as time has gone by, and as I've been able to kind of think on the experiences, you know, w what I really learned was that I, I didn't know myself. I didn't know um, what I needed to do and to be, to, to be a happy, you know, functioning member of society and, mm -hmm. to, you know, t take the responsibility of, you know, having these medications seriously while at the same time, um, gosh, I lost my train of thought, but you know, it, you, you do a lot of growing on a personal, mental, emotional, spiritual level when you're faced with this kind of thing. And, um, just the growth that I saw across those, uh, fronts was, phenomenal so one of the things that you had made a comment to uh, before we were talking about this that really kind of rung in my bell and i i think you, you you basically implied at the beginning when 15 people show up to take one guy in the government's serious about this i mean there's no bullshit here i mean they're they're throwing some guns at it and they're going at you uh, uh, uh guns a blazing and you're actually saying from that experience still when you see a, a uniform cop you struggle with that oh yeah and it's not just 
cops. You know, it's anybody in uniform that I could, that that I just associate naturally with that uh, kind of uh, police authority figure. And my heart starts racing. I start sweating. My hands get clammy and I, all I can do is just try to get away from that situation as fast as possible without you know drawing suspicion to myself even though I'm I'm a perfectly you know law-abiding citizen uh, of society nowadays I just it any situation where I can avoid that contact is is good for my emotional health because it's a very real fear that still exists I gotta believe it just takes you back to that moment and and it's hard to, just hard to shake out of your head because it had to been traumatic yeah, I mean, you just you come to respect the the power that comes with someone being able to take your life away. So we're going through this, and we're having this show on purpose to to, to pundits out there. We all talk about medical diversion and stuff like that. You actually lived it's a completely different thing for you, and we all talk about you know what teens should do and what whatever. But at the end of the day, knowing what you know now. If you were able to talk to yourself before you actually started this process, is there anything that you think that you could say that you would have listened to? You know, there, there's lots that I would want to say, but I'm not sure that I, as a you know late high school teen, would would listen to myself. The you know um, older aged college student that had gone through all of this. I just think that. Uh, it, the the mental state I was in to to believe that that was okay was so strong that it it would have taken so much more than just a, a stern warning to to pay attention and wake up. That's pretty profound to me. Um, that really is pretty telling about your awareness of where you were mentally back then before you started this this process. It sounds like you were just in life going on autopilot and it didn't even occur to you. Absolutely. And, you know, I sit here and, and sometimes I'll tell close friends the story and, you know, I'll say at the end of the day, yeah, it was terrible. And I, and I was 100 percent at fault and I take responsibility and I had some really rough experiences from it. But I'm very glad it happened because, I mean, you, you don't grow up any quicker than being faced with a situation like yep. this. And like I said, I did. I did a lot of growing. Yeah, I think that maybe some parents out there who are listening to this going, OK, Jeff, if if. If Joe would have talked to Joe, you know, before and given some advice, he's not even so sure you get there. Like I realize that, but I do think that there's some people out there who sense um, some stuff, and if they listen to that, if we can just get one or two to kind of wake up and smell the coffee and not do this, um, I think it's worthwhile. And then for everybody, the the one thing Joe that really stands out to me that really makes this thing different is is as you described, it's out there. People, if you have ADHD and you, you're public about, it, they know you've got it. Everybody wants. I mean big on college campuses and want the Adderall to study for tests. And it's unlike other drugs because it's, it's, it's serious, but it's the flip it casual nature, the calling out, I mean, openly talking to you about it um, that can just lull you into a sense of comfort. And then all of a sudden you run over the cliff and you're facing, you know, years and thousands, tens of thousand dollars just kind of lost. And I really can see how just kid, good meaning kids go into this stuff and all of a sudden they find themselves in the soup unintentionally and it's, it, this is real stuff it happens it happened to you yeah and it happens especially to to people like me with ADHD who have issues with impulsivity and, and things like that and you know it, when you when you put people who are especially susceptible to sometimes making not the best decisions in a situation where they can make some really horrific decisions it, it's amazing it doesn't happen more frequently today you, I don't want to get in a lot of details. It's, I, I'm hearing you got your confidence back. You're on track to a degree, probably 
in one sense, probably turned your life around, even maybe for the better, now that you've gotten through it and not suffered um, and really kind of waken up. It sounds like you're uh, – and even coming on the show, I think, is testament to want to help some other people. So, but it's, it sounds like you're really looking forward to the future. Yeah, absolutely. I'm I'm about a year away from uh, graduating from a, a really great school. Um, I do some work with some learning disability-focused um, uh, charity groups now to try to do my best to prevent, you know, these kids from, from making the same mistakes. So I, all in all, uh, could not be in a better place considering the circumstances. And that, uh, forgive me, uh, that organization that you work with that's, um, to help those with disabilities, is that eye to eye by chance? That is eye to eye, yep. Um, I, I, I did an interview with David Fink um, with I, I, I think three years ago. If you just um, search for Attention Talk Radio and I, I, you'll pull it up. It's a great organization. There's a lot of mentoring that takes place as from college kids with uh, um, uh, elementary, middle school, using different types of things to kind of get them comfortable. I mean, is that an accurate um, description of it? Absolutely. They're also involved uh, in high schools, too. They have some high school chapters that provide some mentoring for middle school kids, which I think is great as well. Absolutely. So, Joe, any final comments before we wrap it up or we covered it? I think we've about covered it. I just appreciate having a a venue where I can uh, tell my story in a way where hopefully it will uh, benefit someone, keep someone from making a terrible life-changing mistake. I'm grateful that you kind of came on because, like I said, in, in the in the, in the expert world, everybody talks about the theory, but this is a really a lived experience, and it's great to have you come on and kind of share more vividly your your uh, your your, uh, um, your situation. So, with that, Joe, thank you so much for coming on the program. Happy to uh, happy to do it, everyone. Again, I want to reiterate, this was not acted. This was not staged. This is real life for Joe. Um, we're grateful. It's hard sometimes to find people who have these lived experience, but we're, uh, we hope you enjoyed it. And uh, tune in next week for another great edition of Attention Talk Radio. Take care. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.